All you reality TV lovers, we've got an extra special episode of The Girls Uninterrupted with our very own Aisha Scott from the latest season of Below Deck Mediterranean, all thanks to Hey You, the best of reality TV. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I'm eating my hat, but I'm happy to be eating my hat. (laughs) Really? Those are two sentences that I never thought I'd hear you say together. (laughs) Um, this is about the Gary Lineker stuff, is it? It is. After I broadcast to the world uh, uh-huh. that Gary Lineker was going to be bankrolled by some uber mega rich person and who would give him his own TV show, he's returning to Match of the Day and the BBC, and the BBC are reviewing their social media policy. Yes, so... as, as, as I predicted. <laughs> all right, Kira, this is News of All. I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. It's crunch time for the Breakers. Game five of the grand final series tip off tonight. Can they bring home their first title since 2015? Got a bit of a nervous day on the cars. Should gas-guzzling cars have to go slower on the roads? It's not just about saving people, but saving the planet as well. We will explain how. Imagine waking up with a voice that isn't yours. It's a real thing, and we've got a world-renowned expert to explain foreign accent syndrome to us. And be honest with us and with yourselves. Have you ever shopped online after a few too many wines? Well, hey, you are not alone, so find out just how not alone you are later on in the show. We've got all of that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. It's a big night tonight if you're a baller, am I? Well... As a baller myself, I can tell you every night's a big night in baller town, Emil. But what are you specifically referring to here? Well, Imogen, I'm referring to the New Zealand Breakers, of course. All right. Yeah, who are tonight playing the Sydney Kings in the deciding Game 5 of the NBL Championship, uh, tipping off at the unholy hour of 9.30pm NZ time. So who better to take the temperature of the occasion than comedian and Breakers superfan Guy Williams? Helder. I can imagine about 100 people who are better to take the temperature, but I'm stoked to be here. <laughs> We're stoked to have you. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how fizzing are you for this? Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Like, honestly, I went to the game on Sunday where New Zealand won in front of their home fans. And as a New Zealand basketball fan, like, it really is, like, unbelievable. Like, when we were kids, we dreamed of, you know, a stadium the size of Spark Arena packed with fans watching a basketball game, but it was like hard to imagine as New Zealand basketball in the 90s was in the doldrums. And in 20 years, with the power of the Breakers and Stephen Adams, to get to this point where they're playing for a championship game again in Australia, and they're already four-time champions, is really um, mind-blowing. It's awesome. Guy, hearing you talk about this is quite lovely, actually, because you have kind of this delightful childlike sincerity when you're talking about how much this means to you. And I get that. You know, when 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 you support a sports team who's been crap for a lot of years, or who had a glory period and then was not that great for a few years, and then they come back, it really is emotionally fulfilling and enriching, isn't it? He's talking about Arsenal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the cool thing about the Breakers is that they they really are like a Auckland, North Shore kind of family New Zealand basketball team. To put this in perspective, I'm the same age as Thomas Abercrombie. He dunked on me at um, high school nationals in Palmerston North. You know, um, Isaiah Liafa, the point guard, um, I played with his dad. He was just a little kid, about two foot tall, running along the side of the court with, at Wellington um, Wellington Saints trainings back in um, in the Hutt Valley. 
Honestly, um, my most inspirational story isn't even a player. It's Simon Edwards, the GM of the Breakers, who started as a towel boy. Do you guys know this story? No, no, no. Go he, started, he, he, he started as the towel boy, mopping the sweat off the floor. He graduated to uh, the guy in the mascot costume, Cheeky the Kia. He then became the stadium announcer on the microphone, and now he's the GM of the team and the GM of the league. He won the award for best GM. And he still does the stadium announcing, and he's the heart and soul of the team. Simon Edwards, win, lose, or draw, is a huge winner from this because he is—he's awesome. Absolute legend. Basketball isn't the most popular sport in New Zealand. Uh, what's your elevator pitch for people to get behind tonight's game? Are you sure it's not the most popular sport? Because I—I <laughs> I think based on crowd excitement and atmosphere it definitely is the most popular sport i don't think it's controversial to say this i think the breakers have easily the best fans in new zealand like maybe the warriors are second they're pretty diehard but if you see a full spark arena watching a breakers game that crowd is so invested every play and like you compare that to an all blacks atmosphere or a super rugby atmosphere which is absolutely dog crap you know like it really is like amazing um, how passionate the Breakers fans are. I'll tell you who doesn't want it, the Australian Basketball League. There is nothing worse than the team from New Zealand winning the whole thing. So I would love it so much if we could stick it to Australia, ruin their commercial revenue and uh, get another a trophy for the Breakers. Guy Williams, thank you so much for the b-ball chat. Uh, go the Breakers. Cheers for having me on. Go the mighty New Zealand Breakers. Is now the right time to confess I've never watched a single basketball game in my life? Have you not? Not a single one. Ah. Well, hey, maybe maybe this, maybe this, tonight's match will, will ignite a, a, a lifelong fire in you, a burning passion for the New Zealand Breakers. Are you going to watch? Absolutely. Go the Breakers. Love from your newest fan, Imogen Wells, thanks to the influence of Guy Williams. Turning now to something completely different... Um, and it is March the 15th, it's four years since the Christchurch mosque shootings, and nearly four years since Jacinda Ardern initiated the Christchurch Call, which uh, is of course a political summit that calls for countries and tech companies to work together and fight back against online extremism and terrorism. Anjum Rahman is a board member of Internet NZ, founder of the inclusive Aotearoa collective Tahono, and she's also chair of the Christchurch Call Advisory Network. She joins me on the line now. Kia ora. Kia ora. Have things actually gotten worse? Has the Christchurch Call been a failure to your mind? I don't think it's been a failure. There's some things that have improved, and I think the fact that we're not seeing a whole lot of live-streamed uh, mass murders being, going viral online is a good thing. What I would say is that the landscape is really challenging and there are new threats coming up all the time and now we've got, you know, the chat GPT and so on. I guess this is almost a facetious question, but, you know, where to from here? Where do we go now? So I think the work that was announced at the summit last year around um, algorithms is critically important. The, the research into algorithms, understanding how they work and what impact they're having, I think that is really important for the advisory network, issues around transparency and accountability, so making sure that platforms and governments are putting out sufficient information 
um, and that there are adequate checks and balances to ensure that the systems that they say are in place are actually in place and are working. So the fifth platform says it has community standards. We need to measure whether those standards are adequate, whether they're being applied consistently across the board, and that there's a right to appeal that actually works. And Jim Rahman, thank you very much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Now, this is a story that's getting people fired up online. It's a proposal to make larger cars that have higher emissions drive more slowly. A two-tiered system, kind of like trucks and cars pulling trailers, are meant to do just at the moment. It would save lives but also help save the planet by limiting pollution. The man behind the idea is with us now, Professor Len Gilman from AUT. Hi, Len. Hi. So why would lowering the speed limit for high-emitting vehicles be good for the environment? Simply because when you're driving at higher top speeds, you're having to push more air so you've got more resistance. And the research clearly shows that lowering your top speed reduces your CO2 emissions quite significantly without making very much difference at all to your time of travel. You know, two to four minutes per 100 kilometres if you drop from 100 to 90 is your maximum speed. Lynn, what, what cars would this apply to? You'd have a cut-off point for the amount of emissions that a vehicle uh, emits. And so you could probably use the existing um, cut-off point that the government has been using in terms of rebates and taxes you know, big SUVs like, you know, Land Rovers and so on. Um, but anything, you know, like V8s and so on that have high emissions, um, there's a cut-off point where new vehicles there incur a tax. You could use the same cut-off point. How do you see what you're suggesting being implemented and then enforced? In the same way that uh, road rules are enforced at the moment, at the moment we have a lower speed limit for trucks and for vehicles towing trailers. And, of course, people don't always obey the speed limit. They're usually driving a bit above the speed limit. But usually they drive at about the same amount above the speed limit all the time. So if it's a 50k area, they're doing 60ks. If it's a 100k area, they're doing 110ks. So if you reduce the speed limit, you are most likely going to get the same sort of reduction in their actual speed. Adeline, why do you think people get so outraged over speed reductions? When the government first announced uh, that, that, that the plans to do this, it was like a, I will not vote for Labour if they go ahead with this. Uh, I think it's got something to do with the wild sort of West mentality of New Zealanders. They uh, they want to just uh, do as they please. People just need to be a little bit more patient, actually, when they're driving, and then they uh, use less fuel, cause less accidents. It's very simple. Professor Lynn Gilman from AUT, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you very much too. Would you be angry if you had to drive a little slower? Nah, with no With your way. gas guzzler? Nah, I'm like, I'm a nano driver. Mm. I, I sort of, I potter along at 49 k's an hour and I have the digital display there and I, I consider it a, 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 a great thing if I can keep it on exactly the speed limit for as long as I can. You know, it's like a little mini game. So you're single-handedly saving the planet. Oh, man. Yeah, and I'm kind of regretting telling you that anecdote too. You reckon John, I can cut that out? Today on League of Our Own, we chat with our feline friend, West Tiger and soon-to-be Panther, Azara Papali'i. See what I did there, like Larry? It. Yeah. Like the Warriors are 12 matches down with 12 to go. We talk their season to date and if they could still land a final spot. We preview round 14 with the Wars and Townsville and a whole host of massive matches, including the Bronx and the Sharks. And we are officially in the State of Origin window. 
It's an Australian representative competition, <laughs> yet Kiwis <laughs> love this thing. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. The next thing we're going to talk about sounds like a movie plot. You wake up one day and you have an entirely different accent. I'm talking going from having a New Zealand accent to having, say, an Irish accent overnight, out of the blue, with absolutely no connection to Ireland at all. Like this woman from Texas who recently says she developed a Russian accent. Okay, guys, it's snowing here in Texas. Ooh, big snow. (laughs) Turns out this is in fact, a real thing. It's called foreign accent syndrome. Now, I had never heard of this before, so here to explain it to us is Professor of Speech Pathology Kerry Ballard from the University of Sydney. Kia ora, Kerry. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Is this a real thing? Uh, yes, definitely it's a real thing. Um, I'm actually working with two um, individuals at the moment who have foreign accent syndrome, and it's not common. Um, probably get, you know, one call a year. It's odd at the moment that I've had two calls together. What is it that triggers it and do we know why? It turns out that it can be triggered by a couple of different things. So um, each case is a little bit different. So some can be triggered by some medical event that has caused a change in the way our muscles can move or the way our brain can control our muscle movements. Have you ever heard or seen anyone making it up before? Um, That's a good question. Uh, Certainly there are some cases where it is, um, as you say, made up. And, And the reason for that can be extremely complex. It can be made up for a particular reason and very conscious for a, for a, some kind of benefit or gain, maybe attention. Uh, but in some cases it is uh, what we call a functional neurological disorder where there is no medical reason for it. Um, there is probably that sometimes there's a reaction to a, um, a traumatic event, more of a sort of psychological or emotional response. This is a personal question. Uh, two of my best, best friends in the whole wide world are Australians, and when I'm with them, within five minutes, Imogen is speaking with an Australian accent. Do you know what's going on there? Yes, yes, that's uh, a <laughs> that's very common phenomenon, uh, and that's sort of a, a classic human behaviour. What we do is we we um, we integrate and we, we sort of immerse ourselves in situations and we adjust, and we're constantly adjusting to the people around us. So it doesn't just happen with accents. The minute two people get into a conversation, they do what is called entrainment. They entrain with each other. They synchronize. And so they start to talk at the same speech rate. They start to do, you know, have similar patterns of pausing and, and speaking. And so that, but the accent part is part of that. It's just because that's what the people around you are doing and you synchronize and entrain with the people around you. Okay, good. I'm glad it's not just me. There's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> Thank you, Kerry Ballard from the University of Sydney. I so appreciate your time. No worries. Thank you very much. <laughs> right. That was great. Um, and now I really have to hear your Australian accent. Oh, I knew this was going to be the danger of bringing it up around you. Mm-hmm. Um, the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog. That's really good, actually. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, that was surprisingly good. Thank you. Because yeah. drawing back the curtain a little bit here, I've heard your Australian accent before and it wasn't as good as it was just then. <laughs> <laughs> I've been practicing. You've been practicing. You, you can feel this moment. You, you, were like, you came in here, you were like, it's game time, baby. Um, well, I I'm going to crush knew this. If, yeah. if I bring up Aussie accents, 
Emil's going to ask me about it. So <clears throat> I do mind. When I, I do want. I do want an Australia, but I don't do a full on Australian accent. I just kind of like round my my voice a little bit. You know, you know what's validating kind of for both of us though what is, is that Kerry said it's perfectly normal for yeah. us to to blend in with our friends across the ditch when we go and visit. So long live our Aussie accents. Go us. Well, Imogen Wells, you know what I love more than anything? Arsenal. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no. And actually, there are going to be some people who are grumpy at me for this. But um, what I love is uh, a good old-fashioned survey with a uh, loud and uh, sensational headline. And boy, do we get one today. Give it to us. It's uh, drunk shopping. People who shop online while drunk are spending annually 14 billion US dollars. 14 billion US dollars. Yeah, this is a piece from uh, finder.com. We'll check a link to it on the website. Uh, there are some remarkable stats here. Uh, one in four men have admitted to drunk shopping. Uh, one in 10 women are admitting to drunk shopping in this survey. The average spend is 309 bucks. $309. US dollars. I know, it's a lot of money, eh? Hang on, yeah. what is that in USD to NZD? That's like... 497 bucks. That's a lot. What are they buying? Well, the most popular things that people are buying are shoes, clothes or accessories and food. Yeah. Other popular categories were alcohol, cigarettes and gambling. Um, and here, this is crazy. Motor vehicles. Motor vehicles are in this as well. See, this blows my mind. Who on earth is jumping online after half a bottle of Jack Daniels and buying a car? <laughs> so, I mean, I can give you the serious answer. Someone who's obviously seriously been thinking about it for a while has got a little bit of that liquid courage and has um, hit buy on Trade Me. I personally have never drunk shopped, but you know who has? Who? Producer Jono. Of course he is. In fact, he tells us he's a frequent drunk shopper. Well, first things first, I believe frequent is slightly overstating what I may have said. <laughs> I have fallen victim to the algorithm when you know you when you're doing a whole bunch of research to buy something new and you've got your eye on it. And then when you're at home on a Friday night and you've had a couple of roses that you probably shouldn't have had, and then you're scrolling Instagram and the targeted advertising is like Remember this? Right. It, you thought it was really pretty. It knows you pretty well, doesn't it? It knows you yeah. so well. You know what I love about this is that you have managed somehow to reframe this so that it's the algorithm's <laughs> fault, not your personal responsibility and lack of inhibitions. Not the wines. Firstly, I would never defame wine in that manner. And secondly, <laughs> of course it's not my fault. <laughs> hey, let us know what... Well, actually, I don't know whether this is a great one for audience interaction. Let us know what you buy when you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, if you do have a funny anecdote or anything there, please do get in touch. You can email us, newsable at stuff.co.nz. But that is Newsable for today. I'm Emil Donovan. And I'm Imogen Wells. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on your favourite podcast player. Leave us a rating and review. It helps other listeners discover the show, and we just really appreciate it. You can also follow us on social media to stay up to date on new episodes and behind-the-scenes content and all things Newsable, if you would like to do that. You can find us on Insta, TikTok, and YouTube. YouTube, just search up Musable NZ. Was this episode of Newsable usable? Then back NZ News by making a financial contribution at stuff.co.nz/support.